Dude, this is what's great about music is like, man, I, I've been saying lately, I'm in the season of life where I'm like having a lot of fun writing, um, writing coloring books instead of magazines. And what I mean by that is sometimes mm, you write, I love like, that. It, you really do all the detail in on the, on the song lyrically and you give it to someone and they connect with you because of how specific you're being, which I like to do too. And that's cool. But man, when you have a song like Don't Give Up On Me, where it just wraps itself around anyone's story. That's what I think Save My Life has a similar vibe. We're like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna leave some of these details out so that it's a coloring book that I give to you. And while you're hearing it, you're just writing in your story. Hello, dear friends and damn givers. I'm Nick LaPara, founder of Let's Give a Damn and host of the Let's Give a Damn podcast. This is the show you come to when you want to hear from people who are giving a damn in so many unique and meaningful ways. Thank you for hitting play. Thank you for showing up this week. And most of all, thank you for joining us on this journey toward leaving the planet much better than we found it. Now, friends, I hate, I loathe starting podcast episodes this way. But before I introduce you to my guest this week, we must address the massive fucking white supremacist elephant in the room. My heart is heavy. My body is heavy. My soul is heavy. This was not a good weekend at all. Did you know, friends, that we are less than 20 weeks into this year and there have already been 198 mass shootings in the United States? This past week, obviously, according to those numbers, there were several more mass shootings, including on Friday, three Korean women that were shot at a salon in Dallas. But the one, as you know, if you've been out and about on social media, on the internet this past weekend, the one getting the most attention happened on Saturday in Buffalo, New York, about an hour from where I was born. An 18-year-old white supremacist traveled hours from his home to a predominantly black area of Buffalo, New York. He started in the parking lot of a grocery store and killed as many black people as he could over the next couple of minutes. I will not at any point during this intro mention his name because it's not worth mentioning and I don't want you to remember it. I will, however, mention right now a few of those that were killed by this terrorist because their memory does deserve to live on. Hayward Patterson was 68 years old, was a deacon at his church, and he drove people who didn't have vehicles to and from the grocery store each and every day. Andre McNeil was a father, uncle, and friend who was at the grocery store to buy a birthday cake for his three-year-old son. Roberta Drury was 32 years old, was in Buffalo from out of town to care for her brother, and she was at the store to get all the things she would need to cook a special meal for her family. Celestine Cheney, who was 65 years old, was a survivor of breast cancer, was a wonderful grandmother, and she was at the store to get strawberries to make strawberry shortcake. Catherine Massey was a 72-year-old civil rights legend 
and journalist. And she had just gotten to the store. Her brother dropped her off and was going to circle back in a couple minutes to pick her up. That, sadly, never happened. And I've only mentioned half of the victims, but I know that you and I will sadly be hearing their stories over and over again over the next few hours, days, and weeks. According to the manifesto that the terrorists left before carrying out this attack, it was clear that he had bought into this bullshit so-called Great Replacement Theory, which states that a white genocide is happening, that immigrants and people of color are trying to replace white people. And you've heard this before. Recently, we've seen this in Charlottesville, Virginia, as they chanted, Jews will not replace us. We've seen this in Christchurch, New Zealand, when two mosques were attacked, leaving 51 people dead and 40 injured. We've seen this many other times in recent years, and now we've seen this horrifically untrue theory strike again in Buffalo, New York. This theory is just not true. It's not happening. But many, many, many people have bought into it, including this child who used semi-automatic weapons to alter the course of the lives of 10 people and their families and their friends and their neighbors and their colleagues. It's been a hard weekend, obviously, and I know that it's been hard for you too. So I'd like to briefly mention two things. Number one, I'm a firm believer that we can't sit in despair for too long. We should despair at times. We should be sad. We should be angry. But we must turn that hurt into hope. We must turn these horrific circumstances into action. One simple way that we can do that, since most of us don't live in Buffalo, New York, we are here at Let's Give a Damn, we are organizing a fundraiser. Now, the Let's Give a Damn nonprofit foundation has almost launched. We are at the 98-yard line, but not quite yet. So this fundraiser will not be tax-deductible. We cannot offer tax-deductible receipts for your gifts, but you all have helped us raise thousands and thousands of dollars over the past few years, and we can do it again. So as I record this intro, we are still figuring out how to best help. We are talking with people on the ground in Buffalo, so I can't give specifics yet. But by the time this podcast comes out, please visit at Let's Give a Damn on Instagram and Twitter for more information on what we are doing and how you can be involved. And number two, hear me loud and clear. It is okay to not be okay. If you're not doing okay right now, that's fine. Join the club. And please let me know if there's anything I can do to help, even if it's a brief email exchange so I can encourage you as you continue to give a damn. My email is open to you at any time and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. Now for an awkward but necessary transition to the reason that we're all here 
a great conversation with a damn good human. My guest this week is just wonderful. Like, really wonderful. I feel better just being around this human. Andy Grammer is that guest, and Andy is a multi-platinum pop singer and songwriter, a bringer of hope, a dealer of joy, and he keeps really good company. Let me explain what I mean by that. So if you've been around since the beginning of this podcast, you may remember a guest at the very beginning. Her name was Golrees Lucina. I think it was episode five or six. I love Golrees so very much. Golrees introduced me to Rain Wilson, and Rain was on very early in the podcast as well. And as many of you know, Rain has been a huge supporter of the podcast over the years. Rain and his wife, Holiday, are amazing, exceptional humans. Rain then introduced me to Justin Baldoni, who is an incredible actor, film director, philanthropist, and Justin was on the podcast last year. And now my guest this week, Andy Grammer, is friends with all of the aforementioned group of people. They're a big friend group. And today, during this conversation, we get into it. We talk about his upbringing, his amazing musical parents, his incredible, incredible music career, his family, his Baha'i faith, and so much more. I kid you not, his songs like Keep Your Head Up, uh, Don't Give Up On Me, uh, Lease on Life, Damn It Feels Good to Be Me, Love Myself, and his brand new Saved My Life are on constant rotation in our home, just on in the background and especially during dance parties. And I hope that in your home, these songs are in constant rotation as well. And if not, I hope they will be after you listen to our conversation. You can catch Andy on the second leg of the Art of Joy tour, which kicks off May 31, and he will also head out on the Wrong Party tour with Fitz and the Tantrum starting July 29. You can get tickets and learn more about both of these tours and all things Andy Grammer by visiting andygrammer.com. Buckle up, y'all. This is a great conversation, and I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm so glad we got to do it live in New York City a few days ago. Before we begin, as always, a quick reminder that you can email me anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. You can ask questions, recommend future guests, tell me how much you love or hate the show, anything goes. I just love hearing from you. And now, without further ado, let's get right into my conversation with the incredible Andy Grammer. Let's go. Andy Grammer, welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. Dude, it is awesome to be here. Thanks for having me. We're doing it in New York. We're in New York. You're here for a wor world... Okay, that yeah. word needs to come out better. Yes. Whirlwind trip. Yeah, I'm here for like 20, 20 hours. Uh, begin by telling me about... Because we were just talking... We were just fangirling over PS22. Yes. Something that... A project I've been following for years. Ugh, you awesome. were here to participate. Not just in that, but that was a good chunk of earlier today. Yeah. Tell people about PS22 and why they should be on YouTube right now looking at Oh my them God, up. go look them up. They're incredible. There's this incredible um, choir director who just like sets pop music. He, he, he like does incredible arrangements with his elementary school choir. And so I've gone in now twice. And the first one that I did was a song called Don't Give Up On Me with this children's choir 
that then like really was one of the main drivers of that song. Um, and also just something so sweet about kids singing. It really is beautiful. God, when kids sing, I, both times I've been now, I, I try not to cry for the first couple takes. It's like really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And some, and, and this is not like a, a, people have, amazing musicians have come to partake in oh, this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a laundry Including list. Including Andy Grammer. Yeah, laundry list of like and really, really Sarah awesome Bareilles. And yeah. just a ton of people have showed up. And I love the moment because you just confirmed something that I didn't know because they've never invited me to sing, nor would they want to. But that you, you don't know when they're going to come in, how they're going to come in, right? You show up to play your song. Oh, yeah. And so he you're, arranges you're it. playing it, right? And they're recording it, and all of a sudden the kids come in. And I love that first moment yeah. when you realize what they sound like behind you. Honestly, the, on the video of Don't Give Up On Me that went a little bit viral, it, it was the fourth take because the first three, I just started crying. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it's just so That's sincere amazing. and sweet. And something about kids singing, especially singing really well. Uh, is really it just gets to you. It gets you. And what song is it? Can you say what song you? Yeah, did? this one just came out. A song called "Save My Life." Yeah, so they had, like we brought in a bunch of teachers, a couple that were actually retiring, and we got to sing. Uh, I think you should know you saved my life to them, which was awesome. Amazing. Yeah. And we're going to talk about "Save My Life" because I think the the power of words, the power of affirmation, and how that song came about and who it's for. Yeah, is really really important. We'll get to that though. Let's begin by setting the table a little bit. Okay. Um, most everyone listening probably knows your music, even if they don't know your music. Yeah. Um, everyone's heard your songs at mm. one point or another. Grocery store, Something. you know, flipping through the radio, or yeah. they're huge fans like my family. Um, we'll have to get a photo for my kids. Yeah, they please. love you. We, most of our dance parties involve multiple Andy Grammer songs. <laughs> and my kids in our little apartment up in Harlem uh, screaming, damn, it feels good to yes. be me. Uh, all together, like as we're getting ready for bed um, is amazing. But let's set the table because a lot of people know who you know know about your music, but they might not know some details. And I always love to get some of the story mm -hmm. because the story I think gives us clues as to so many podcasts are so great. I listen to so many podcasts, but they start like present day. They'll just like go into like whatever book they're writing yeah. or project or whatever. And that's fine. That's a way to do it. There are fantastic interviewers that do that and do it really well. But I always want to start with story. Yeah. Because who who you came from. Who influenced you growing up? Where you grew up led you here, yeah. right? To this moment, making beautiful music and helping and changing lives. So start us out, where you came from, what yeah. your family was like, who are the people, places, and things that shaped you into who you are today? So I grew up about an hour from where we are right now. It's called Monroe Woodbury or Chester, New York. And um, it's like suburbs of New York. And my mom and dad were incredible songwriters. I have an older brother oh, amazing. as well. And so we, my, my dad, I grew up with my dad being a children's singer and he would you know it's funny because today i just came from an elementary school and i was thinking about him that that's what he would do he would go into elementary schools and sing these songs that were like had meaning and were sweet that he would write with my mother um and just growing up around that was really really sweet so so I, it, it was funny because like growing up around people that are writing songs trying to figure out like clever ways to make these young kids understand and feel without mm. trying to be too corny but they had songs that like really, really hit. Like they had silly ones like Barnyard Boogie that would make everybody sure. clap and dance. Yeah. And then there was like, see me beautiful, look for the best in me. It's what I really am and all I want to be. Could you take a chance? Could you find a way to see me beautiful? Like it's sweet. Mm. Imagine hearing that as a kid. <laughs> oh, and then you're It's there. empowering. Yeah. And it's a couple of times that I got to go and watch what, what was happening. It was like sorcery of watching my dad with the songs that him and my mom had written. Um, 
I don't know, giving little spiritual chiropractic massages to people's hearts. How did they get into that? Like, that's that's not a normal career path. It's no. exceptional and it's amazing. Yeah. And as you describe it, I'm like, man, I need to rethink my so career cool. path. But how did that happen for them? So my dad was chasing, um, like, pop music. Mm. And, it, and he was with a group called the Limelighters, which is, like, folk music stuff. And uh, it just was not working perfectly. It was, like, just enough to not be enough. You know, sure. those jobs that are brutal because they, yep. like, pay the bills kind of. Yep. Um, so then him and my mom, when my brother was born, started writing music for, for children. And, uh, and that's what started to really work. And he could see that this is where he was meant to be, you know. That's amazing. Yeah. And that was here in New York or back? That was in New York. In New York. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she, my mom used to book gigs, like, wherever the line letters were playing during the day, she would have my dad go play at an elementary school and just slowly built it around that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's no surprise then how you turned out the way that you have. Yeah, it's a really great way to grow up if you want to be a songwriter is to grow up at a table where people are talking about hooks and um, pre-choruses and verses and, yeah. and watching them tweak things. and yeah. Were there any other non-familial, uh, uh, really big people or places or things that impacted you that really shaped you? Or was it mainly being around these incredible, you know, uh, flawed, I'm sure, but incredible parents? That yeah, yeah, they were really, really great. I think... It was mostly at, at its deep core them and this idea that you could just do something that sweet and have that be what your life was. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I, I always feel when I meet other musicians or artists who come from families that are lawyers or doctors or some other thing, there's like a big thing they have to break through to even understand that you could do something like this. Yeah. And so I kind of just grew up in a, like just breathing it in. Like, oh, my dad's a children's singer. Yeah. I can do whatever the hell I want. Yeah. The fact that that is working means that at some point you could do, you know, if you work really, really hard and you build something that is of value to other people, you can do whatever you want. And the kind of bigger dream maybe of being a pop star didn't work out. Yeah. But he didn't want to abandon the music. No. They didn't want to abandon music. They figured out, okay, I'm still going to stay in music. What's another path? Like that, and then you that go, perseverance is amazing. You go a deeper level of like purpose. Mm. Like, I don't know that, that his purpose was to be a huge, sure, like, huge pop star. I think that anytime he was in a school, if you asked him, he'd be like, oh, this is totally where I'm supposed to be. Which is a whole dance of, like, ego and stuff like that. I, I give him a lot of credit um, for that. Yeah. T to go like, oh, you recognize that that's the way you're at. Maybe if the world didn't put you on a huge pedestal for it. And they still did. I mean, he did great. He was nominated for a Grammy for Best Children's Album. And he was... He was very much recognized for how good he was and him and my mom were, you know, accolades and stuff. But still, there's this thing where you have to hold on, you have to own that I'm a children's singer and that's really sweet the way they did that. Very sweet. You know? What, what, when did your music career, I mean, were you, were, you, were you young watching them do their thing? Then you're in your bedroom like writing stuff down, playing guitar, like figuring it out? Or when did your music career begin? Started in like high school. I was mostly a jock, like super intense a uh, com very competitive person. Um, so pretty much like seventh grade through high school was pretty much just sports. Yeah. And right near the end of high school, I, I, would, I picked up a guitar and started Oh, amazing. Around. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of had an inclination that like, oh man, I would love to express myself in some sort of artistic way. So I thought maybe I want to go do acting. Uh, but then when I got to theater I, uh, in Binghamton University, upstate New York, I yeah. realized like, whoa, the, it's not just, I don't want to say your words. <laughs> <laughs> why, why am I 
the acting thing is like you're telling me what to say. Totally, this is not what I guess I'm signing up for. Yeah, you want so to I would write. Be writing songs in between the acting scenes, and then eventually realize like, oh yeah, I want to write songs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, unless you're going to go be a playwright and do the whole thing, that seems very overwhelming to me. Well, it, it to write a screenplay or a full. And at this point now, maybe it would be fun to do. But at 21, you're like, I, it's way more reasonable to write a three minute song. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's skip to. I don't want to skip over too much. We'll go back to some of the career stuff, but let's skip to present day, uh, or rather the last couple years. Yeah. Because your life and music, it seems like something has happened yeah. over the last couple of years. Sure. Starting with, the, starting with a huge out-of-nowhere pandemic, yes, and sir. then your second child being born, right at the beginning of that, a child who... Uh, has only known a pandemic. Yep. Right? That's weird. Like, Super my kids weird. are a little older, but it's weird. That, like, we sit and think with them all the time. Like, my son, I look at pictures in March of 2020. My brother got married, like, a week before the pandemic. So, we've got all these wedding pictures. And I'm like, you were so, all of them were so tiny. Yeah. And the last couple years, being out of school for an entire year, and then finally going back to school and, you know, masks and the, you know, having to, I mean, they've, each of them have had to be home several times because not because they've gotten COVID, but somebody else in the class has. So it's this back and forth. Yeah. You know, we can't really count on them being in school all the time. So, so much has happened. They've yeah. grown up so much, but your child has only known that. They were at least born and somewhat aware of the world before this yeah. happened. But yeah, so what happened two years ago that it seems like the singles you've released since then. Yeah have still been just as deep and meaningful, but they seem a little different. There's yeah, like a different- They're different. The, I feel like I was running as fast as I possibly could outwards, which is awesome and fun. And like, how do I get my music to everyone? How do I explore the world out, 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 out? How do I get to Japan? How do I get to Australia? How do I like make this thing go as far as possible? Yeah. And something about the pandemic like made me turn around and go like, how do I run into myself? And so I've been running as fast as I can in the other direction. And the music is like what it sounds like. Yeah. Are you uh, an extrovert? Yeah. So yes, same here. The pandemic has been painful. Brutal. I've always said, check, on, check on your extrovert friends. They're like not doing good. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, I live for my life partner and I, Rebecca, we're a perfect pair because she is an introvert, like hardcore yeah. and loves her time. We have a great relationship. She loves her time at home. Mm -hmm. And like, so I've always, as an extrovert, I've never had a partner who has said, you know, stay home. You can't go. She's always just like, go. Get like, out of here. Go do your thing, yeah. right? So that's been so great. And then, then a couple of years ago, I had to cancel my office, moved into the shed and back, extended Wi-Fi out there, started working. And Dark I times. can tell that my, like what I created during those two years, and even up until now, I'm still coming out of it. Yeah has a different flavor. It's, it, just, it just feels different because I've, I'm not able to, yeah, I feel like I have been suppressed it's really by hard. recording these things in my shed and I it know. just it feels different. I can't go out and have meetings and coffees and beers and all the stuff I did before. Yeah, it's really hard. And what I love, which still is hard a little bit, is I love to create spaces for community. Yeah, yep. And that's, they don't just occur. Someone has to like do it. Yep. And so I love to try to do that. That's what a show is. That's like how to, from the moment that you walk in to the moment that you're all singing together to the moment you leave, I'm trying to like create a community feeling here so that you all, there's something so sweet. It's like at most basic, 
everybody singing together is a communal experience that like we all need desperately. And then I love to do that at my house, like open up my house and have yep. a bunch of songwriters in LA over and just like talk about how to encourage them. Or And this is like something that I get fed so much from doing stuff like that. Yep. And I haven't been able to do that as much. And that was really, really hard. What, what did your like detoxing look like? Because there was, I mean, it felt like coming down off, for me anyway, it felt like coming off of a, like a drug addiction. Yes. And I, like, I would be like shaking, like I got to go out, but I can't, it's not safe. This was like pre-vaccines and, and pre-everything. Exactly everything. the same. And so what was your, yeah, did it, it felt horrible, right? Spinning out, eating uh, Twizzlers, like so many Twizzlers. At, like, <laughs> Twizzlers, that's amazing. Um, just being really, yeah, it was, it was kind of like a detox, like really unhappy. It was really, really frustrating and like bucking the system, trying to figure out like, what am I supposed to, how am I supposed to do this? And, uh, and I think it was really, I'm, I've had enough space from it where I'm grateful for it now because there's like deciphering what of it is uh, fair to be upset about and then what, how much of it was you running from yourself? Mm. Like extroverts... Sometimes it's because that's who we are and that's how we've been made. And then other times, like, because we don't want to deal with some stuff when we get quiet with ourselves. So we just, like, keep keep it moving. <laughs> keep it moving. Next thing. Next job. Next what's up. Next show. Next. And, and, and there's, like, actually a fear there to quiet down. And so that is not cool. And I've, I would have continued running from that, I think, forever. If you don't, unless, um, literally, unless you put me in a cage for two years. Yeah. And, so now that I'm that here, happened. I'm like, oh man, I got into therapy, quiet down, trying to get better at meditation, trying to just really take stock of myself. And I, I'm appreciative of that. Did you also, one of the positive things, as opposed to all, so many negative things that happened the last couple of years, was family time that, yeah. you know, we're in different lines of work, but um, I was traveling all the time. Totally. I was away all the time. My kids... So when my first daughter was born, I was uh, managing a hip-hop tour. Um, it was a nationwide tour, 35 cities. We were gone for two months. I came back three 24-hour periods in two months with a brand-new kid. And I remember so vividly, uh, they came in, we were living just south of Seattle at the time, and they came to the Seattle show. And my daughter, who's like four months, five months, she did not want to come to me. Oof. And that was like, like she had forgotten. I mean, it, it makes sense. I'd yeah. been gone for half her life at that point. And so I started traveling less after that, but still a lot of travel. My kids had always known that. And then now we're, I mean, 24 seven, we're together for a long time. Was that both hard and good? Was it yeah. all good for you? I think most of the time with them was good. Yeah. And the, and the time that was hard was just me alone at an office. Mm. But when I got home to them, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. I love you. I, like, there's, Yes, toddlers are obnoxious. But yep. in general, I would just say there was nothing about them that was bad. It was all good. It was only when I would go to, to an office every day and be like, I just can't take this anymore. It was like really hard. Yeah. So the time home was good. Now I'm like, oh, man, I don't know. I don't like, it's hard to leave again. You know? Yeah. I yeah. never thought I would feel that way. But now I go away for three, four days as things starting to open up and we're getting a little more comfortable-ish. And not that I didn't miss them before, but I was very comfortable being away, like yeah. loving it, being with people, going here and there, traveling, like loved it. And now I'm like, yeah, I could, I could go back right now after two or three days. Like, yeah. that's a good feeling, some I think. Sort, for extroverts, it's some sort of healthy in and out is good. Yes. yes. And I feel like the pandemic forced us to, I don't know, 
it sounds like that for you. For me, it made me a much healthier person because I would just like- Totally healthier. Loving my family, be looking for any excuse to travel and get out. Yes. Like, let me go do anything. Yes. Not to get away from them, but because there's a world to fucking explore out there. Totally. And now I still want all that and I love being at home more. It feels great. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was important. I'm glad it happened. It was brutal. Yeah. No, I know. <sighs> okay, so you're back to, I mean, you've got, you you were did some shows a few weeks ago yep. that you know did one here in New York and you're another tour starting right now and then you're on another tour later in the summer. How does it feel now? Like, do um, you? Yeah, unbelievable. Because the crowds on the first run were so excited to be back. I was so excited to be back. And then, you know, that like I said, you're teasing out why when it was so hard to not be on the road. It was teasing out why some of it was ego, some of it was run like the constant need for achievement that like that's where a lot of love i yeah like, the mixing up of achievement will get you love yep that shit's weird yep um but also some of it is fairly like this is your purpose this is what you're really good at this is what you, when you feel like you're flying that's like also fair to say that's how, that's how it is so i'd miss i'd really miss that too yeah it's so fun man playing but now it feels healthier right because yeah. you're yeah. not you're not your ego is not feeding off of that but you're yeah. just really enjoying just the really community enjoying that you're making it. yeah and totally. i've seen i i have not unfortunately been to one of your shows i tried to make it to the last one i will make it soon i promise yeah. but i've seen a, enough videos to see that people are it's not just music it's not just a uh, a one-way transaction from the stage to the people it feels very familial. It feels yeah. very community oriented, which is not, which is the opposite, which is very hard to do. I've been to a million shows in my life yeah. and you can feel, it can be a really fucking great show. It can be an amazing show, but it didn't feel like we, we were not in community. You are this amazing artist and you're performing for me and I'm receiving it and that's it. Uh, yeah, and I think that, the, that there's no judgment on anything. Like we all need different things. Yeah. You turn on Netflix from, from night to night and you're like, tonight I need just like something stupid. Stupid. And fun. Office, tonight I'm ready Seinfeld. to go like Sundance vibes. Tonight yep. I need, and so when people come to my show, um, they're usually, I don't want to speak for them, but I think they're coming to be like reminded or uplifted. And- and so when you start a chord to a song that they know, it's not just that they've danced to it, it's that they've like gotten through cancer to it, which is different. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a vibe that is different and incredible and powerful and joyful. And it's really lucky to be able to do it. I want to go through a couple of your songs yeah. and hear maybe the story behind them. Sure. But let's start with Save My Life which yeah. we love. Thank you. The video just came out a few days ago. Yeah. Everybody should go watch it. The song's amazing. And it, it, why don't you tell the story? I mean, you lost your sure, mother. Sure. So my mom passed away when I was 25 and um, I was pretty much in shock. Mm. And, and so her best friend, Lee Muro, who lives in New York actually. And um, she just really stepped in and it wasn't like, it's fun to write this song now because it's been 13 years since my mom passed away. She didn't like do it in a way that was like, I'm your mom now. She just quietly showed up in the ways that you would need. There's like a hole here. She shows up and fills it. You know, there's like, oh, well, there's no one to walk you down the aisle. That's mine. I'll do mm. that. There's no one to do this thing that a mom would do. You're moving. Let me come help, you know? And so after 13 years of that, you look back and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. You really... You saved my life. There's so many moments that yep. my life could have went in a completely different direction. And you were kind of like the, the um, what is it, when you're bowling, like the the, the rails that come up. Yep. The, like she was like, kept me on the tracks, you know? 
And so getting to write a song like Save My Life, I think you should know you saved my life. Uh, and then getting to tell her in New York in front of a big crowd. And we just got to like blast it all over. Uh, we were just on Z100 this morning here in New York, like talking about Lee. It's been so sweet. And she's, I had like an awesome conversation with her uh, last week where she's like, I'm just getting called by so many people. It's <laughs> amazing. Being blown up with love. It's Lee's so famous now. Lee's Rightly famous. so. She should be. Rightly and, so. And then the idea that this is what moves our world. Yep. It's like all these actions that a lot of times are not seen or celebrated. Um, but yeah, it's, it's someone who is showing up for, for, for someone that really needs it. Yep. You know, you know, Lee had no idea that, you know, 14, 13, 14 years later, you would write this song, you know? And so Lee wasn't doing it for that. No. Yeah. And that's what turns the world around. There's it's, I feel like there is this tendency toward showmanship, which I get it. Like, you know, good deeds and doing good things and making like, one of my least favorite things, and this is a thing I have to work through, is all this trend where people help homeless people on camera, give money away, like they do all these things, right? They tip people $1,000 and watch this person like go into tears. I understand why they do it, instant tears, right? Like yeah. even I, if I watch it and I'm not thinking about how much I hate it, like, yeah, like your body reacts. And I'm like, how about shut the camera off, do the right thing, because it's the right thing to do. Totally. You know, it's hard. And so Lee like so many people still today and so many people in for forever and ever have done the right thing, no cameras, no show. It's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing to step in yeah. and take care of Andy. His mother's gone. I'm, you know, like I love that. I love that. that. I, I'm so interested because I've, dan- I've really like danced around the line of what you're talking about. It's so interesting because you also want to, like I want to see good things. Yes. So is there some like ratio we can deal with of like, Six times do it without telling people, seven times show it, or just never show it. Because there is something about like, oh, when I see this, I am now inspired a little bit to do something in my life in this way. But I've found a lot of times when you're trying to be of service, a camera is like not what's what's needed right now. Right. That's a great question that I have no I answers for. I don't know the for. answer I, I have landed on, as I, I think I stated this as I started this little monologue, was it's, it's a struggle for me. In other words, I don't think it's a never. I guess when I feel when I have a visceral reaction to it, it's mostly when there's money involved. Got it. And it's mostly when there's a vulnerable person involved. Yeah. For example, oh, totally. a, a homeless person, yeah. right? Like you yeah. walk up yeah. and hand them, you know, there's this one that's going around, which again, I get the mentality behind it. You know, see if they're generous, then you give them like a thousand times over. Like, hey, can I have a dollar? You ask a homeless person and then they give you the dollar and you give them like a thousand dollars, right? Sure. So you, you saw that they were so generous with the little they had. Again, I get this heart behind that, but you did not ask that person. Yeah if they wanted to be on camera totally to catch their very vulnerable, like who knows what the fuck they've been through in their lives. Yeah. Right. You know, to be, get to that place. And now you're flaunting there. So there's, there's, I'm speaking now, you're making me think of this. We're trying to be of service to a, my community. And, yeah. um, one of the things that came up when I was trying to be of service was this community is really afraid of drive by arting, which like rocked me, mm. which is like, coming through a community that is vulnerable and thinking that you're helping, but actually just like making art and then extracting and leaving. So I think that's also a little bit of what you're talking about. It is. It's like, oh, you're not, you're, you're seeming like you're helping, but it's actually for you. Yeah. And, uh, and so I've just been learning a lot about that. Trying it's, to not like, oh, I don't want to drive by art. That's not my goal. You yeah. Know? And so I think that, I think it goes, I think at the end of the day, I want to refrain from as much judgment as possible 
and also like everybody has to think through like why am I doing this yeah. right like it's it's on everybody to say I might have the best motives in the world and I am I do want to film this I have gotten their permission their consent and hopefully people will be inspired to do something I think that's a different thing I haven't seen many people do it well yeah. in my opinion but I yeah I don't want to write it off because yes the reaction that I have if I go in there with my guard down and I see that interaction I want to do more yeah as a result but the truth is and now I'm going to do a version of it just because I want to hopefully help and teach right now is I have bought, uh, since moving to New York a year ago, I've bought a hundred meals for a hundred homeless people. Like, right. And they say they want food. I take them to get food. I've always got 10 minutes and yeah. I've always got 10 or $15. So go take them to get food. Never once have I been like, let me film this so that I can encourage somebody else. It might come up in story later and maybe there's a time to do it, but I, I would feel very slimy or grimy or whatever, like filming that and saying, hey, here's Bob. I just met Bob and Lisa and they're homeless and they're, you know, I don't no, just buy them the fucking food. Yeah. Wish them well and beyond, but I, I don't know. There the are some answer. people that do it amazing. And some there are. It's, it's, a, it's a real fine line to walk. Yeah. There are. Um, okay. So I want to talk about the power of, we'll get to some, some of the other songs. Yep. Um, I want to talk about Lease on Life and a few other songs that I think are really meaningful. And I'd just love to hear a quick, like, what's the story behind it? Because mm-hmm. they are so meaningful and they're meaningful in my family. Um, but when it comes to what we're talking about right now with Lee and Save My Life, you have, and I said this before we started recording, you've got this presence about you that is very, it's, it's woven throughout your social media and your songs, very positive, but not cheesy positive, not the kind of positive that I'm repelled by. And I have a pretty good, like, <laughs> I have a good, like, you know, yeah. the Joel Osteen kind of positive. I'm like, nope, no, get, get away, you. right? Yeah. So your, but yours I'm attracted to, and a lot of other people are attracted to it. So, and, and in the last five or six years in this country, we've been through a lot. Yeah. Starting with uh, a certain someone's presidential election, so many things that happened during those four years, uh, a two-year pandemic, yeah. lots of anti like all the stuff we've been through the last couple of years. We're, we're still in the, we are still in the place that we're in, which is like trying to dance around, like, do we, you know, do we mask? Do we do this? Do we go? Yeah. Because it's still around. It's still everywhere. Like yeah. thousands of people are still contracting this virus and hundreds are dying from it every single day. Lot to, lot to dance around. And now this, like, I don't even know how you feel about this, but I, I, I could probably guess, but the whole Roe v. Wade thing, yeah. this assault on women's rights, and it literally, it feels like we're going to go back 50 years. Like, I just, I can't even conceive of it. People in my own family, I love them. God love them. They're for these kinds of things coming to pass. So it's hitting very close to home. Yeah. And by and large, your social media doesn't ref- like you don't speak you don't say something about that mm. you so i'm not i'm not don't take that as a critique no, no, no. i am wanting to get into the the mindset behind this because i don't think everybody should and i personally get into lots and lots of trouble because i speak up you know too often maybe too angrily and i'm learning and i'm growing and whatever but it's kind of absent from a lot of your social media and a lot of the rhetoric you it seems like you instead it's not like you don't care about these things. No. It is, we need positive, joyful voices amongst all the shit yeah. that's going on. Yeah. And you posted, I'll let you talk in a second, but you posted this um, quiet rebellion mm-hmm. uh, the other day on your TikTok, or not on your TikTok, on your Instagram. And I just want to read it. Uh, and then I want your response just about the power of words. 
quite rebellion. To be happy in this dark world is a rebellion. Each smile, each laugh is a shot fired. I did not come here to only feel sorrow. While I am overcome with it, there is still a choice to be made, a life to be lived. This joy that I release is a quiet rebellion. Yeah. And in the Christian scriptures, uh, I always I think about this this uh, analogy of you know the several times in the Bible it talks about the, there's po- there's there's the power of life and death in the tongue, mm. and in in the book of James, the tongue is even called a fire. Yeah. And fire is like fire can be good, right? It can warm people, or it could burn this whole building we're in down. Yeah. So let's talk about the power of words and why you have chosen the route you've chosen to speak up. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple issues that I usually will speak up about. Race is one of them. Mm, yes. Where I really feel like it's really important for me to speak up about that. Uh, there's a couple others. In general, um, I just don't know how effective it is on on uh, social media. Yeah. I don't know if that's like the place where we're going to like change somebody's mind. <laughs> Like, is, like, real good discourse occurring there? I think for me, it's a lot more about, like, in my inner circle, if someone says something that feels off to me, it's a it's a pull you aside and let's have a conversation and try to get all the way yeah. into it. Um, also, one of the things that's been lucky about being a musician is you're, you're just getting to travel and be around different people every day. So I have deep friendships with many people that are, identify as red, blue, whatever. The other thing is that in, as a Baha'i, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to um, identify with a political party. Mm. So you're like, I'm not allowed to, because you, you, inherently it's divisive. Politics inherently, a two-party system is divisive. Yep. So you're not allowed to like get in, be seen that way or contact, like really comment too much on things that would lend you to be right or left now that's delicate and that's scary yep. you also don't want to be just someone who doesn't care like i care deeply about yep. many things but um yeah i don't know that my voice is as necessary and when it really feels like it needs to be then i like i'll, I'll jump in and say some stuff. yeah but in general um yeah it's, it's pretty divisive no a few different points i sometimes make force myself to believe that my little voice is more effective than it actually is on social media yeah right like we need to this is because we're so digital now and everybody lives on the internet, of course, this is where we have to have the dialogue. But that's bullshit. I know that. I, I assume most people know that as well, even those that contribute to it. Sure. I mean, if you just spend 10 minutes on Twitter, there are 9 million you know, opinions uh, about 9 million different things. And they're all, everybody says they're right. That can't possibly be true. Yeah. How do you wade through that? I was, ha- I was in a... Uh, a little back and forth with a friend of mine the other day about he is um, a very loving uh, pro-lifer that isn't like, you know, isn't like the far right sort of pro-lifer, right? So he's a very reasonable one, but still pro-life, not my position at all. But so we're having this back and forth about this whole thing. And it just got like three tweets back and forth. It got like heated. Like it shouldn't fast. have gotten heated yeah, yeah, yeah. really fast. You want to know why? Because you're, you're, you tweet something, you have no idea if they're responding to it, if they're just waiting it out. So then you have another thought and you go and tweet it, but they're on the, they're, they're tweeting something back and they just get lost in the mix. And then I just recently changed my phone number. So he was tweeting my 
he was texting me saying, dude, let's just get on the phone. But then my other tweet came in. Got it. And he was like, what? What the fuck? Like, why isn't he stopping this? Like, he really wants to. That is how most of them end up. Yeah. And so I'm glad you went there, which is like, is what is this even doing? Because I'm constantly pushing myself to like, I don't want to be, yeah, to share more, again, not just positivity for positivity's sake. Yeah. But like share more good news, share more good things. And I think that's why you have been so effective in music and um, and otherwise is because there are a lack of voices like yours. Yeah. There are a lack of people that, again, I, I in no way am saying you don't speak up about the things you care about. No, I've seen no. You. And I think that it's just a very but delicate. But compared to other people that like, yeah, you know. It's a very you, delicate line. Yeah. And you got to kind of case by case, see what feels right. Yeah. And, and when when is your moment that you can not just add to the noise? When is your moment where being silent is um now now you're like you're you're taking a real stance by being silent. Yeah. You know, and figuring out how to how to do that dance is interesting. Well, yeah, and we by and large as a society have said, especially people on my side of the aisle, more progressive, you know, folks have kind of determined that if you don't if we don't see like whether it's whether it's George Floyd's murder uh, Roe v. Whatever it is, uh, the insurrection. Like, if you don't, in ten minutes, if you don't have a tweet up, yeah, an Instagram up about it, stating like telling us where you stand on this, you must not care about it. Totally, and I think there's a lot of, you know, even even harkening back to what we were talking about before, um, there's a lot of work to be done around these things. So sometimes it's easier to just put up a a post and then not like do work yes. around around the thing. Yep. And so sometimes it's also scary if you feel like you haven't done the work when a major event happens to be like, am I the one that's supposed to be commenting on this? Or is it time for me to like go learn about this? So good. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. like, I don't know if I should, like it's, I can definitely hop on a bandwagon, yep. but I think I need to go do some work in my community and understand or have a conversation with someone who's having an issue with this. I am not advocating for being silent. No. That's not it. But just No, but very, that yeah. is wise. And you want to know why we don't do that generally as a society? Because it's hard work. It's hard work. It's man. easy to tweet 240 characters. Yeah. It's really hard to say, I'm going to go read uh, Cast by Elizabeth Wilkerson, or I'm going to go read these books. I'm or gonna go, go have conversations. Or go have the conversation. Like, but, that's, conversations. but that's hard, yeah. right? Because we have to get, you know, this buddy that, that I'm talking about. Like, we have a phone call tomorrow. I blocked off an hour. Yeah, and great. it's going to be, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be super chill. Yep. There will be no tension. I will share my thoughts. He will share his. We'll go back and forth. Yep. And it will end probably with respectful disagreement on a certain number of things and yep. also a virtual hug across the phone. Like, exactly. yo, I love you. I'm for you. I think we want the same things ultimately. We're just, you know, that whole sort yep. of thing. Where on Twitter, it took 12 and a half seconds for it to get fucking like crazy. Yep. And so that is the hard work, but it's the necessary work of like, stop typing, stop posting the, you know, the screenshots and the photos and actually do the hard work, which yeah, is- Yeah, and I think for, you know, we're two white guys, right? Yeah. I think that we just have a lot of context that we're off on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So in general, my new place is when something happens, I go like, I need to go check my context. I, need I love to go it. run this by a lot of people that uh, are not coming from my very limited understanding of how the world is. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's hard. Man. I love it's it. It's really hard. I love it. Let's talk for a few minutes about- your Baha'i faith. Yeah. Um, how it came about, um, why you're still, you know, you know, a lot of people that I grew up with were something when they started and yeah. aren't that anymore. Um, and I love 
the Baha'i faith. I've told many people that if I weren't a Christian, yeah. I would be a Baha'i, like 100%. I think Baha'is are better than most Christians. I just do. Like, look at what Christians are doing. I guarantee you there were zero Baha'is um, uh, treasonously storming the Capitol on January 6th oh of last God. year. Right? Like, it just wasn't there, right? It's not in the ethos. It's not a part, you know? And so, and I've had multiple, I've had Gold Reese and Rain and yeah. Justin. Um, and so I'm just like intrigued by it, but more in this, so I know about it, but a lot of people might be chiming in for the first time. So what's your story there and why are you part of it? And what do you love about it? I think like anything, everybody gets to make up their own mind of like how they want to live their lives. And so if you try some new green juice in the morning, it doesn't work. Yeah. Then you're like, nah. I'm not going to do that. And then you try something else. And for me, I have tried very limited time periods where I'm like, I don't know if I believe this. I don't know if I want to read these writings or say these prayers or act in the way that I'm, that these teachings are saying. And, um, I just genuinely love it. It's a lot based on service and, uh, the unity of all religions. And, um, it's, it's really kept me steady in a way that I, I just really appreciate. And the writings are amazing. The idea of the Baha'i faith is progressive revelation, that there's one God and he continually sends messengers of God in succession and that they fulfill each other. So that all, it's not just like, everybody's right. right. It's like, no, 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 no. If you look at Judaism, if you look at Christianity, you can see from a Christian's perspective that those are like one thing, right? Yep. And, and there's the overall belief, you can get deeper into the weeds of it, but yep. that all of them have that same idea. Yep. Yeah. And, and I love that idea. We're on the same page there. My journey has gone all over the place. Um, a few years ago, I actively chose to stay in the Christian faith because I wanted to leave it all. I mean, around 2016, yeah. Trump becoming president, most evangelicals voting for him, a lot of my family and friends. And I just like lost it. I was like, how, why, like, yeah. are you kidding me? And I had a crisis and I, to use a popular term today, deconstructed the whole thing down to yeah. the studs, right? You know, took the house down to the studs and, you know, said, do I want to build, do I even want to build this back up? Yeah. You know? And for now I'm in, but I'm in, I'm in only as a, you know, to put language, my language to what you just stated as universalist. Like the only way I'm in yeah. is if God gets everyone in the end. Yeah. Like everybody gets in. Yeah. Everybody. Not everybody has to become a Christian to get in. Everybody gets in. Yeah. And when you, when you start really befriending Baha'is and Jews and Muslims and, and you start looking at everything that's going on and you peel back all the weird shit and the verses that don't make sense and the ones that yeah. can't, when you do that, you realize that we're all, we're all going in the same direction. It all sounds very similar. Yeah. It's very, very similar. Yeah. And yeah, I just, I just love, you know, when we're working on my morning routine, I'm trying to get up and say prayers every morning and yeah. read the writings and uh, it just like sets me up for a good zone. Yeah. You know? And then it comes through in a lot of my music, uh, not in a manipulative or pushing way. No, you're not trying to proselytize anyone. Not at all. Um, but it's just kind of like, how are we continually reaching the higher versions of ourselves? Yeah. You know? And where did it start for you? Did you say that and I zoned out? Where did it, like, when did you? Yeah, so my parents were Baha'is. Okay. They met so, as yep. Baha'is. And I grew up, um, like I said, about an hour north of here, but not a, not a big Baha'i community where I grew up. Uh, and there would be like Sunday school. Sunday school sometimes and then we went we'd go off to like summer camps and stuff and uh it was like something that I just even when my parents when I moved out I'm like oh man this really there's a lot of value here for me in this I really really could see the value of it correct me if I'm wrong there's no main church leader 
No. Right? There's no leader leading this thing. No. And I love that. I, again, I'm a, I'm a walking contradiction, and I think that's fine because we're all walking contradictions, sure. but like, I'm very attracted to so many things about the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. I love going to mass. I love the quiet, the, the, you know, the bowing, the incense, all the stuff. Yeah. A- and I have seen what this hierarchical structure, how many people have been hurt. Yes. How many people have been seriously hurt physically, emotionally, sexually, mentally. And you look at all the Christian, like you go all around and you see that when someone is given power, um, and then I also just finished a show called um, The Last Kingdom Yeah, on Netflix. You've seen it? Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many times in there, right? Where these leaders, these priests and these church leaders, they're blaming all their shit on God. Totally. They're blaming the wars they're causing. They're blaming the hurt that they're inflicting on women and children, the killing, the everything on God, right? And so when you have these leaders that are now the the mouthpieces of God, you can do a whole lot of damage because you've scared them into believing that if they don't follow what this, mostly men, right? All throughout history. Few women are leading now, but it's been mostly men throughout all of history. So if you don't follow me and what I say, hell, fire, damnation. Like you're not gonna make it. You're gonna, and so- when you remove that central leader and it's now a community effort, I'm sure there's mess, I'm sure there's messiness in the lack of leadership. Sure. I mean, anytime, you know, I, there's, to me, there's two things. There's, uh, there's God in your relationship with God, which is hard, but I would say simpler. Yeah. That's like, just, are you willing to show up and like get better at that relationship? And then there's, um, religion and religion to me is, is basically just how are we all going to do this together? Yep. And so I have a lot of, um, compassion for how hard that is yeah no <laughs> that's really, really that's a really hard thing to do yeah all together yep because you're dealing with something where a lot of times you're leaving you know, to me faith is something you're like you're leaving logic a little bit and once you let go of logic the thing is if you just stay with logic there's stuff you're missing out on that is so awesome amazing oh my god yeah it's incredible you don't want to just stay on logic yep but when you leave logic then you can, can make get it messy right. i'm in a cult shit i'm in a cult it yep. just happened i didn't even know how to get here yeah so that dance is something that we're all kind of working on at all times. And I just have immense compassion for anybody. People that are like, have been screwed over so much. Yep. They're like, same. Screw, screw religion. Same. Uh, to the people that are like, whoa, I can really see what this is. And, yep. and so much good community has been built around religion for the right things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, right. It's, it's, been, like, it's been such yeah. a gift and a curse When you just to throw the away the baby out of the bathwater, it's like, oh man, if we just never go, or we're never creating spaces where we're around each other trying to reach for our higher selves, then like we all lose. Yeah. That, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm not trying to paint a, you know, a perfect picture of, you know, the Baha'i faith, but yeah. I, I imagine that if you remove the ability for there to be that cult leader, mm-hmm. that, that pastor, priest, you know, bishop, whatever, and it's a key part of your faith that it's progressive revelation, right? This thing is going to keep on yeah. being revealed to us versus most, most Christians, most Jews, most Catholics, like it's done. Here's the canon of scripture. Like what's say, in here? Don't they say that someone's coming back? They do say someone's coming back. Just never but, happened. But exactly. No, no, no. It's like Jesus is still coming back. Yeah, okay, cool. Right. Well, not not uh, 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 Jews. They're, you know, they reject Jesus as the son of God. But yeah. but for like, yeah, for, for Christians, yes, Jesus is coming back. But they they read, they get everything about that coming from this Bible yeah. that was written thousands of years ago that was handed, I mean, literally written down you know, sometimes the events that were being 
talked about in here, they were 30, 40 years removed from it. Who remembers what happened 30, 40 years ago? And it was sure. passed down multiple times. Then they wrote it down. That's, it, but then they're following it to a T. Yeah. When it's not, it, this, it's impossible that this thing was perfectly written and perfectly passed down, right? And so, so I love the idea. I'm living, the only reason I'm still in the faith yeah. is because I believe that it's constantly evolving, yeah. constantly changing, and everybody gets in in the end, right? Yeah. So now I can befriend everyone, yeah. regardless of our faith, and say, let's do this together. Totally. It's not me versus you. Yeah. The Christians aren't going to do it the best. We actually suck at a lot of things. But if we do it together with people that don't have no faith leaning at all. There's also a lot of good they do too. I'll say They that. do a lot of good. Oh my God. 100%. You think of like in so many communities that I go to, a lot of like the service oriented things are coming yep, from the church. They do. 100%. I, I, yes. Thousand, the Southern Baptists. They have done amazing stuff in the past. Yeah. They have also hurt a lot of people and did amazing stuff, which is again, why we have to, yeah. life is both hands. This is life. Yeah. It's life is both hands. Yeah. Um, I, you know what I love? For those that are watching the video of this, I love that we're do, having this conversation in this art studio. Yeah. Couple things. One, the audio might not be amazing. I don't know. In post, we might see that this is super echoey in here. You're hearing the air conditioner on. And we have these like Incredible amazing painting. works of art. We also have empty canvases. We have hundreds and hundreds of bottles of paint. Like that's the conversation we're having. Totally. Is that like you're, you know, we're the same age. We're th 38. We'll be 39 this year, right? Yep. And so we're the same age. We got some kids. We got, you know, wives. And we're, and, and you, two years ago, we had similar deaths totally. and rebirths. Yes. That are now bringing out amazing new, for you, amazing new music. For me, other projects. Um, as we begin to wrap up, t talk about the story behind Lease on Life. Yeah. Because I love that song. Oh, it has meant you. so much to me because. I think I'm going to get multiple chances to really be able to sing that and think that, right? It's not like one lease on life, yeah. right? Like I want to have multiple deaths and rebirths and multiple times in my life where the way I currently am like shuts down <laughs> yeah. and like a new version of me like comes out because yeah. I am much healthier. I'm oh, still a piece yeah. of shit in a lot of areas, but oh, I am yeah. much healthier now Same. than two years ago. Super piece of shit in many I mean, areas. Right? Yeah. But we can like, we can like keep keep having these like leases yeah. on life. But I gained some um, real context from it, which I appreciate. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yep. So lease on life is just really a song for my daughter, Israel, Izzy. Oh, I love so that. So freaking cute. And she was born in my living room in the second week of the pandemic. And so it was so sweet to go through one of the hardest two years of my life. But the whole time, know that you couldn't be that unhappy. Yeah. You were just given the sweetest gift you can ever get this little girl so that was kind of the idea like wow it can't ever really get that bad yeah because you're you, what, I'm, I'm gonna like spit on life when it's just giving me the most incredible precious little gift of a human yeah um so it's like she she was my yeah she was our good luck charm and one of the hardest seasons of life yeah you know and for everybody listening it might not be a new kid yeah um it can be a lot of things it can be a lot of Dude, things this was great about music is like man I, I've been saying lately, I'm in this season of life where I'm like having a lot of fun writing um, writing coloring books instead of magazines. And what I mean by that is sometimes mm, you write- I love like, that. It, you really do all the detail in on the, on the song lyrically and you give it to someone and they connect with you because of how specific you're being, which I like to do too and that's cool. But man, when you have a song like Don't Give Up On Me 
where it just wraps itself around anyone's story. That's why I think Save My Life has a similar vibe where like, oh, I'm, I'm going to leave some of these details out so that it's a coloring book that I give to you. And while you're hearing it, you're just writing in your story. Yeah. And uh, Lease on Life has a little bit of that as well. People are like, oh, this is this meant so much to me because of this. And it's completely different than something else because someone else. Yeah. I love that you just said gave that magazine versus coloring book because it's so true. There are so many amazing artists out there that sometimes like the music, everything about it, we can like get into. Yeah. But the actual lyrics, A, we're not even sure where they came from or what they're saying, right? Like, what are you really saying here? It's artistic. It's amazing. Totally. People can come to an Andy Grammer show and scream at the top of their lungs, Lease on Life, and every person in there is thinking about a different Lease on Life. A completely different thing. Every person is thinking about a different person that didn't give up on them. Yeah. Like, that. those kind of songs are what are going to carry us forward. And it's so funny because, it, you know, I'm a little bit of a purist around lyrics. Not purist, but just whatever worked for me. Yeah. And I'm now hitting a zone where it doesn't have to be that way for me to enjoy the song. Sure. Just now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just getting into, like, oh, yeah, I don't really know what he's saying in Radiohead, but it's so good. Right. And, like, I don't know what this Chili Peppers song is about, but God damn it, this is making yep. me feel something yep. extra awesome. Yeah. So I'm coming to that. Uh, and there's, there's just room for everything. And I think as artists, you just have to get clear on what it is that you love to do and triple down on that and get better and better and better at that. And then be comfortable that you're, like, not like the other person. Before I ask my last question, yes, another question, the penultimate question mm -hmm. is, what do you have for us? What's coming? What can people get excited about? Mm. You're releasing these, you've released four or five singles over the last yep. year. We've got more coming. Like, so, so yeah, what is, what is this all building to? Yep. Tours, all that stuff. More songs coming. Um, and then we have, you know, two more tours where they're heading out in about two weeks. And that's going to be, you know, Please go check andygram.com and just come to a show. It's so fun. The show's everywhere. Shows every like it was so sweet of you to read some of that poetry. This the shows have like a decent amount of poetry in them, which Amazing. is really fun. Leading in and out of different songs. Um, yeah, so we got a lot more shows coming and a lot more music. It's a really fun time where there's like almost like a stream of songs coming. Beautiful. Yeah. So we're the same age. Um, I plan to live to 120. You ish. Sure. It sounds like a so lot. So 80... Um, 120? You're telling me you're a third done? I would love to be. Wow. I mean, come Aren't on. Are you excited about the, what happens? Are you the, like, don't you kind of want to know what happens next? What, next? Yeah. Yes. Next sounds awesome. Yes, but isn't next like, a, it's much longer. So I can wait. That's my thought process. Got it. Is that like, whether whether it's an eternity yeah. or not, like it, it's going to be bigger and longer and something that we can never imagine. Totally. I do believe in an afterlife yes. and I want to get there. Yeah. But if it's an eternity long, I can like- You can wait. I can wait 80 okay. years. Point being, here's where I'm going. I'm not trying to die, in, but I don't in, know if I want to wait that long. In 60 to 80 years, you, this is, this is hypothetical. Yes. You, you die. Uh -huh. And for some odd reason, I've been tasked with speaking your eulogy over all the people that you love, the people that have been affected by your life, yeah. your family, your kids, your grandkids, their kids. Like everybody that loves you and that you love is there. And again, for some odd reason, I'm up there eulogizing you. In a couple sentences, what am I saying to them about your life and legacy? Mm. Oh man, that is a, that's a good question. I would say I hope that I was a reminder of soul, like a sticky note on your fridge, just as like, remember your soul. That's kind of like what I was trying to do. But I, I don't that. want to be annoying about it. And I definitely don't want you to feel like I'm pushing anything on you. 
So like, if you don't want it, like to just throw it away. But it's there. If you, but it's the, but it's there <laughs> but if like, you want it. But like, if if it at all is helping you, then leave it on the fridge. And when you walk by the fridge, go like, oh, totally, soul, sick. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, Andy Grammer, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you on man. the Let's Give It In podcast. This is amazing. Yeah, we went into some stuff we don't usually go into. I appreciate it. Friends, thank you for showing up and for spending some time with Andy and me this week. To find links for everything mentioned in today's conversation and to keep up with all things Let's Give a Damn, visit letsgiveadam.com. Please share this episode with a friend. Please leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And most of all, please show up next week. We have many more amazing conversations coming your way. Chad Snavely, Jess Collins, and the team at Sound On Studios made this episode. The music is by our friend Propaganda. You can reach out anytime and for any reason at hello at letsgiveadam.com. I love you all. Be safe. Keep giving a damn. Bye for now.